Announced last week, as we, as we begin this new year, uh, 2021, I want to, in, in our leadership here, we really want to convey to everyone here, everyone that's in, in the house and watching online, uh, just what our vision and the mission of Beaches Chapel is, what we feel like God has charged us with as part of the body to do. Where are we going as Beaches Chapel? Because if we're just sitting still, we're not doing it right. Amen? So we have a... Amen? <laughs> You're like, I don't know, I'm kind of comfortable. Well, get ready to get uncomfortable, okay? Because God is moving, all right? God is on the move. And I've said this before, we've mentioned it already in the past few weeks, that we know that this is true because we are seeing and we are hearing the church say the same thing all over the place. All right? And when you start hearing the same verbiage come from the same churches, when we're not meeting and talking about it beforehand, you know that God is doing something. He is speaking and he is moving and hallelujah that we as Beaches Chapel get to be a part of that. That should be exciting for us. That should be something that gets us going, right? And that's what we're going to be talking about these next four weeks is what our role, what our purpose, what God, think about this, what God has called us to do and who to be. And that's a big deal. All right, and I would say so much so that the convictions that we have here as a leadership of BG Chapel are so strong in this vision that, that we're ready to say, look, we want everyone here. But you might be hearing what's coming in these next few weeks and say, you know what, that's not for me. That's, that's okay, but that's where we are going, okay? And we want everybody to be on board because we're gonna make this as clear as humanly possible. And that's why we're breaking it down week by week so we don't just jumble it into one week. We wanna take our time so that we are all on the same page, so that we are all speaking the same language. And so as we go forward, no one's going, I didn't know that was gonna happen, right? But you can be excited as we are about it. And so I do wanna say before we get started in just all of that, I think it's important that you all know a little bit about who I am, how I came to be right here on this stage here at Beaches Chapel. You might wonder, who is this guy that keeps talking about donuts and Disney every single week, all right? So what I wanna do is just take a couple minutes and first start with that. Who I am? Well, I'm James McDonald. I grew up here at Beaches Chapel. When I say grew up, I mean I was basically born into this place. I'm 40 years old. I've been going here for 40 years. This is the only church that I know. This is my home of home, all right? I went to school here all the way through eighth grade. We didn't have a high school then. I'm still bitter about that because I see these kids with the high school experience that they have here now, and I want it, but I didn't get it. That's okay. That's okay. Um, but I grew up here. My mom was the principal here for a number of years. I won't say how much to respect her, but it was a long time. I'm rooted here. My wife has gone here her entire life. She is not 40 like me. She's much younger than that, but she has still been going her whole life. And she makes, she make, gives every opportunity to tell people that she is younger than me. Right? And I say, hey, this is my wife, Jesse. How you doing? I'm younger than him. And, uh, like, I know we're not even talking about that. Um, but she's been going here her life. Her mom has worked uh, head of the business office for years and years as well. So we are firmly rooted here at Beaches Chapel. Our daughters now go to school here. I mean, it's just, it's, it's our life. It's our life. And um, if I'm being honest, you know, as I, as I grew up here and was, uh, you know, in high school, I, I, I was still, you know, around, but I wasn't going to school. But people always told me uh, that we're here staff and pastors or whomever, you know, you're, you're going to go into ministry, James. You're going to, specifically, you're going to work with teenagers. You're going to go into youth ministry. And they kept speaking that to me over and over again. And, and I didn't want to hear it. 
I really didn't. And I was like, you know what? Just because I've grown up here doesn't mean that I'm called here, you know? And I was, I was just kind of stubborn about it and, and just didn't receive what people were speaking over me. And when I say people, I'm talking about like respected, God-fearing, walking with the Lord, prophesying over me people. All right, it wasn't just, you know, Joe from around the corner saying this. And so as I was being told this at a young age, I just kept it at a distance. I was like, no, I don't want that. I don't want what you're saying over me. And so as I went through college, I went to UNF and got my degree from there in broadcasting. And I just was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And so I ran from my calling for a long time, years. The first way I ran from it is I tried to go into uh, sports talk radio. And I got a job right out of college working at Clear Channel, which was the company that owned a whole conglomerate of different radio stations here in Jacksonville. And I got hired on um, to be basically a little producer dude in the back that was just behind the scenes. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but if you've ever been in a place in your life where the peace of God is so absent from where you're at that it makes like your skin crawl, that's what it felt like to me working at what was supposed to be my dream job. I mean, this is why I went to school. This is what in my flesh I wanted to do. And every second that I was there to the point that I lasted two days, <laughs> my career, it was like torture. I mean, I just couldn't do it. And there was nothing, the people were nice, right? This was, if I had stayed there where I'm at like today, I would probably have my own show or be in another city or whatever, something like that. That's, that's how the, the job works. But he, it was God, there was so much unrest and a lack of peace that I literally couldn't stay there. And so I quit and I got a job at a golf course with a college degree, washing off golf clubs and, and cleaning golf carts. Best job of my life. It was a blast. Free golf, working with guys my own age, outdoors, like no stress, right? The hardest part was the shift was at 6 a.m., which I'm a morning person, so I didn't even mind that, right? Great job. Problem was it paid like eight bucks an hour, right? And I'm like, I gotta, what is happening with my life right now? Um, so the second thing that I tried to do to, call, to run from the calling that God had for me was, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I tried to go into the Coast Guard. Um, and I wanted to go into officer school. And my, my thought was, hey, it'd be really cool to fly helicopters into storms, in, in which I don't even know if I'd be good at that or whatever. It just looked cool. You know, when you're at the beach and you see those orange cops, you're like, that's awesome. I'm going to do that. You know, that, that was the thinking behind. That was, that was, you know, the time that I put into it. That's cool. Let me try it, right? Um, the Coast Guard, which is a branch of the military, rejected me. <laughs> You want to feel like a level of rejection, like the military says, nah, we're good. We'll, we'll let other people take bullets for us. You, you, not so much. Like that was, that was a slap in the face. I'm like, at that point, you know, you're in college and high school coming in. You just see recruiters everywhere. We want you, you come over here, sign up, talk to me. Like, no, nah, not you. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Really, it was the Lord shutting the door on that uh, as well. So I tried that. And then the ultimate thing, which is I, I literally can almost not say this with a straight face because of how ridiculous it sounds to me right now because of who I am now and looking back how miserable I would have been if I had done this. But I um, actually packed up my truck. This is a longer story than I'm going to tell this morning. But I packed up my truck and I had a dream of moving to Hollywood and being a writer and actor, comedic writer and actor in Hollywood. And it was real. I mean, it was very real. I had a friend that lived and lives out there still. Awesome guy. Good friends with him to this day. Had a room. I was going to be his roommate. 
Packed up my truck, had a goodbye party with my family, told, quit my job, told everyone what I was doing. See you later. I'm going to be a star. Nice knowing you. I'm going to forget all about you. That was the plan. Packed my truck, get all the way in one day, drive to Houston, Texas, called my parents crying on the phone. I don't know what I'm doing. This is a mistake. I don't want to go. Again, that, that, that peace of God was so absent that I was about to break in half. And they said, come home. So the next day, I got in my truck and I drove back from Houston, Texas. And later that week, I came here and I met with uh, our senior pastor at the time, Steve McCoy, and I said, I feel like I'm called to ministry. I've run from it long enough, uh, specifically youth ministry. I had done Young Life for a while. I don't know if you're familiar with that ministry. It's amazing. I volunteered with that for about five years um, here at the beach. And so I was like, that, that's what I, I finally bowed the knee. And I said, here, I, I give up, God. I've tried everything. I, I, I thought this is what I wanted. I've been told no. And so here I am. And thank the Lord, he was just patient with me to let me go try all those things, to be rejected, to the door slamming in the face. And he just stayed. He didn't rip the calling off of my life and say, that's it. You don't want it. Fine. I'll give it to somebody else. And I came here in, um, I believe it was September of 2005. They hired me part-time uh, as an intern for the youth ministry. And then June 1st of 2006, they hired me full-time to work alongside Kelly Trent, who was the uh, youth pastor at the time. And um, that's how I got started here. I did that for six years. Then I moved uh, on to the, I was, became the worship pastor about six years after that. Did that for about seven years. And then here I am, I've been assumed the the um, preaching pastor role for about, it's crazy, almost a year and a half now, and um, have assumed the senior pastor duties at Beaches Chapel. And I was ordained in 2000, yeah, sure. On our <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I'm not going to say no to that. That was one of the points. Um, was ordained by Beaches Chapel in 2011 and uh, just got my master's in theological studies, Southeastern in December. And here I am. This is it. And listen, this is, I, I don't say all those things to just talk about me this morning, but I do think it is important for you all to know, like, who is this guy and, and, and where did he come from? Well, I came from here. All right. I grew up like right through the stage. And um, I've had so many people, I, I don't, I'm, I'm afraid to even start mentioning names because I'm going to leave people out, but the amount of people that have poured into my life. I mean, I'm standing on the shoulders of so many people that aren't even here anymore, sorry, um, that were patient with me, that taught me about worship, that taught me about youth ministry, um, and are still teaching me. And it's just incredible. And, and I'm so grateful. And I just, I just want to echo what, was, what I said in December when I was officially set in, to just continue to pray for me, continue to pray for Jesse and I, because this is our calling that we are shouldering together. Just because you don't see her on stage uh, doesn't mean that she doesn't walk with me in all this completely. Completely, um, not a fraction, but all of it. So please pray for us. And, and I want to say this as, as I've been set in here, um, I do it humbly, knowing that this is just something that God has placed on me. Um, but I also do it with a lot of excitement. I mean, I am so excited and pumped for what God has here at Beaches Chapel. And right now and going forward, we can taste it. We can taste it on Sundays, but there's so much more. You know, and I mentioned Disney earlier, but I'm going to mention it again now, okay? We go, my family, we go to Disney World a lot, and my favorite thing about every trip that we go on, and I'm talking about since like I, we started, when I can remember going years ago, the, the, my favorite part every single time is not riding Space Mountain, 
It's not getting the giant Joffrey as big as your head donut in, in uh, Tomorrowland or anything like that. My favorite part of every single trip is when you get off I-4 and you start to get on Disney property. Disney property is huge, right? It's, it's, if you've never been there, it's just, it's massive. It's ridiculous. And you get off and it, there's, I think there's four exits off of I-4. But every single one, as you get off and, you, and, and I-4 is in the rearview mirror, and you start to get further down into Disney property, every single entrance has this big sign over the road that says, welcome to Disney World. And as soon as I see that, I'm like, "Woo! here we go. All right, we're here. And, but the, the, the crazy thing is the fun hasn't even really started yet. We're not even to the hotel at check-in, which is my little girl's favorite part. They love that. They were chosen to be the board of elders because they serve and they love Beaches Chapel. And that's what this is all about. Not only that, but their wives serve Beaches Chapel in great capacities, whether it's kids check-in, impact group leaders, playing keys or leading our worship. Thank you, Jesus, for Valerie and her team. I mean, we, it is across the board. They're, they serve here. And not only do they serve, but they are also my accountability. They are the authority that is over me. And I love that. I love that I sit under their authority because I believe true freedom comes under authority, not outside of it. And so that's, that's what I love about them. So pray for them as well. They do a lot of times thankless job. Um, they give a lot of time and a lot of energy to this place. It is a volunteer position. They do not get paid. So please pray for them as well. And lastly, I want to introduce our pastoral staff. Um, if I didn't tell them I was going to do this, I'm sorry. Um, Pastor Luis isn't even here. He's a ghost right now. Uh, but Pastor Luis Montiel, you'll see him around. Uh, Pastor Edie Walgamuth is in the back uh, and Pastor Tina Trent as well. Um, I've been full-time here for 15 years. I am the least tenured pastor and that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not going to give the, the number of years for them, but I do want to say uh, they're incredible and if you ever want to know the power of the pastors here, just ask all of them to pray for you. Ask us. You, it's, it's, it's maybe my favorite thing that we do together is pray for people together because it just unleashes something that I can't describe. So um, that is our pastoral staff. And so that, that's us as a leadership board. But I want to talk now about who we are. All right. Enough about it. who are we as a church? What do we believe? What are we doing? And, and what we need to understand as we discuss us in Beaches Chapel and this family that we are is what is the mission? And here is our mission statement that I hope that gets so ingrained in you that you don't have to read it off a piece of paper, that it just spews out of you as you talk to other people when they say, where do you go to church? Well, let me tell you, this is what we stand for. This is who we are, not what the place is or the location. All right, Beaches Chapel is a home for all to begin and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. We are a home for all to begin and grow in the relationship with Jesus Christ, to introduce people to Jesus, and then to walk with each other in our relationships with Jesus. Because it's not just about introducing, but it's about growing and following him as well. And we do both of those things here. But there's two key words in that mission statement that I want to specifically focus on right now. And the first one is home. Beaches Chapel is not a building, all right? It is a home. And when we all leave here today, we're gonna go get in our cars and we're gonna drive off. And we're gonna pass a lot of houses. Some of them might look really nice. Some of them, not so much. But we're not gonna be focused on those houses. We're gonna be focused on the destination. And that is not a house, it's our home. And in our home, there's two specific things that, you, that, that, that happen in your home. That, that we want to achieve here. And that first one is that you feel, that is where you feel yourself the most. Where you can just let your guard down. 
You can let your hair down and you can just be yourself. You're not putting on any airs. You're not trying to be something that you're not when you walk into your own home. And when people walk into Beach's Chapel, the last thing that we want is to make them feel like they need to be something else than they're not. Specifically, that they have their act together and oh, look, everything's just great and hunky-dory in my life as I walk into church. And I got my act together and I'm just this perfect Christian. I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing really good. How are you doing? On the inside, they're dying. That's not what we're about here because what we believe here is that we are all a mess that we're saved by the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And far be it from us to have to make someone else feel like they got to measure up to something that we never were either. And so when people walk into this place, it's not about trying to act a certain way or put on a certain front. It's about being yourself. And you know what's awesome? The, the way that you are, feel the most in your life like yourself is when you are in the presence of the Creator. And so that is what we have here. This is God's house. And when he's here, you walk in, people say, I just, I just felt something. You know what it felt? You felt like you were in the presence of the person that created you. And that cannot be duplicated in any other environment but an environment where God is. And so we want people, when they walk in, to be themselves and not put on any front like you have to be this certain way. No. God is calling you as you are in that moment. The other thing is, when you go to your home, you're surrounded by family. Not strangers who sit across the row from you that you haven't met before. Surrounded by family. And what does family do together? They celebrate together. They mourn together. They live life together. They break bread together. And they grow together. And that's what we want to do here. We want to celebrate the good things we want to walk with each other in the hard things. We want to break bread together. We want to grow together in Jesus. We are not accomplishing our mission. If we gather here on Sundays and we look around the room and everyone is a stranger, that's not a body. I don't know what that is, but it's not who we are. We are a home where you can be yourself and be surrounded by family. You live at home by yourself, guess what? You have family here. Your family doesn't want to come yet. you got family here. But we are a family that grows together in the love of Jesus. So if you need something, if you need prayer, if you have a testimony, tell us. Tell the person around you. If you had a hard week, say it. You're allowed to be yourself. How else do we grow? How else do we get to know one another? How else do we pray for one another if we're not honest with each other? That's what a family, listen, you know what's, what's crazy? When Jesse walks in the house, whenever it might be, within two seconds, I know if she's in a good mood or bad, it's like, what's wrong? And girls go, go upstairs, <laughs> right? Because I know, and that's what we can be for each other. Hey, what's wrong? You're not being yourself today. How can I pray for you? That's what we're called to be. And when we can be like that for each other, you know what? Other people want to come and be a part of that too. Because it's rare in this world. It is rare. So let's be that family. All right, so that's the mission statement. I want to talk to you all about the, the, the verse that really brought this all together. And, you know, as I was praying to the Lord, this is months ago. Um, like, God, I don't want to just find a verse. You know, I don't, want to, I don't want to just make something up that sounds cool and we can you know, write on the chalkboard or whatever, put on the website. This, I want this to be you, Lord. 
and wrestled with it. I wrestled with it for a while. And then this verse came and it was like God dropped it in my lap and I just was blown away. Jaw on the floor. Yes, God, this is it. And you've heard me read it. Um, and I'm just, you're going to hear me read it all the time because this is, we need to be reminded of what we're doing here. And as I read this, what I want everyone to do is, you know, consider what it means, what it meant to you for this verse. But let's specifically Consider what this verse means to those that don't know Jesus yet. Let's consider what this verse will mean to those that we are inviting to church, that we're sharing the gospel with, that we're praying for. And let's just put ourselves in their shoes when they hear the truth of these few verses and what it was going to do to their life and how it will radically change them. It's Ephesians 2, starting in verse 19. It says, You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. All right? You have as much right to my seat at church as I do. So let me get up and let you have this spot. Because it's not about what I've earned it's not about how long I've been walking. You, as soon as you come in and you know Jesus, you have just as much right to this home as I do. Let me, let me remind all of us in here, there is no such thing as seniority in serving. There's no such thing. If, if anything, it's the opposite. Jesus' model was when you serve, be the lowest of the low, not gain rank in serving. So when people that are new come in, we don't sit there and go, well, let me pr like, prove yourself for a little bit. No, we say, you have as much right to this place as I do. You've been here five minutes. I've been here 50 years. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here. Welcome in. What I get to take is how blessed I am that I've been here for so long. But it does not mean that I have more of a right to this home than any other person. <sighs> With as much right to the name Christian as anyone. Here it is, y'all. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here. Translation, doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter your financial situation. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter about your family situation. Doesn't matter about your political affiliation. Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't matter. If God is calling you here, you're here to meet him. And here's the, here's the thing that we have to understand, y'all. We all come in different. We all come in different. But when we meet Jesus and we turn our lives over to him, we are now the same. We are part of the body. We are part of the church, singular, not multiple, that has this category over here and this category over here. It is one body, one body, one church. So all that stuff doesn't matter. You know who sorts that out? Jesus sets that out. And he, he does so much better of a job than we could ever do. So let him do it. And let's just love everybody that comes in. That's what he's called us to do. Irrespective of how we got here. It doesn't matter our backstory. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. How amazing is that? Can we just pause and understand the magnitude of that for a second? That when we read about the disciples, when we read about the apostles, that God was building the foundation of the church with them, and now he's saying, okay, now it's your turn. We are included in the story that has the disciples in it. Like, we're, as the story continues to unfold, our names are in there as well. We're in it. We're in it. I, I don't know. That, I don't know about y'all. That, that blows me away. 
He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as, a, as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple, here it is, in which God is quite at home. God's home. God's house. This is his home. We're, we're the bricks. You want to know, you wanna know what, we, what role we play? We are the bricks of the house. And you know what's interesting? When you, when you go and you look at a brick house, oh, that's a nice, I, I like brick houses. I like, I like how they look. That's kind of my style. Um, I think, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you never like go to a brick house, you say, wow, that brick right there, that's a good brick. <laughs> that brick is worthy of being part of that house. That brick down there, I don't know how it got there. That's an ugly brick. That's an unqualified brick. No, you look at the house as a whole and it is a brick house. That's it. And that's what we are. God is putting it. Look, it doesn't matter if you're preaching on Sundays, if you're changing dirty diapers in the nursery, if you're out in the parking lot doing the golf cart or whatever, and everything in between. We're all bricks being put into place, serving God's house where he is quite at home. And if we can accomplish that, we, don't, we can just go like this. And people walk in and they get to meet him. They get to come into a house where God is quite at home. And listen, what greater thing is there than that? What greater thing is there? What more could we possibly, what more could we possibly accomplish than that? So how are we going to do that? Here's the how. This is what we're going to be talking about these next few weeks. How do we go about building this home? Matthew 7, starting in verse 24, Jesus is speaking and he says this. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. How do we do this? The first thing that we do, the first kind of core principle of who we are is we build our house on the word of God. And that alone. Let's look back at what Jesus says here in this verse again. I want to be very clear. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching, all right, mine, there is no option B, C, or D. You listen to my teaching. And listen, if I'm not around or you don't like it, try this over here. Try that over there. No, no. It says, if you listen to my teaching and you obey it, then when the waters come and the winds come and the floodwaters rise and it beats against the house, it will stand. It will stand. And so we don't need to fear the winds and the weather and the storms in our life not just for us as a church, but individually, if we put everything on the word of God. And so that is what we are committed to do. That 
in that alone. And I'm saying right now, listen, there are so, in the world that we live in now, if we're not running to this, we are going to get confused and frustrated and fearful and all sorts of different things. Because there's opinions everywhere, but I don't know about y'all. I'm not interested in the next talking head who's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. I want, to, I want to build our house on the thing that lasts forever. And speaking of that, let's read Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Forever. So when the dust settles and the storm passes, you know what's left? God's word. I don't know about y'all, but that's what I want to hitch my wagon to. The thing that stands forever that withstands every storm in every season. I'm being careful. <sighs> Still learning on the job here, y'all. But that's what I want to link arms with. That's what I want to build on is the thing that lasts forever. Listen, all, there's all sorts of seasons. Things come and go. God's word, his teaching is eternal. And that's where we find our value. That's where we find our instruction. So much so that it also says this. I'm just going to read. You know, what I love about the Bible is there's so many verses in the Bible about the Bible. Like God is telling us as he's having it written about how important it is to read what he's writing. And that, that's kind of, it's, it's almost, it is, it's a little comical in a way. And so I want to, I want to read just a couple of these, but there are so many we could, we could be here all day. So we read Isaiah 40, John 17, 17. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. We want to know the truth. We want to know how to live. We want to know how to make sense of everything that's going on and what is true in this world. It's the word of God. It's uncompromising, and we will not compromise on that here. We will not do it. If anything, we're going we're gonna to preach it more. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, this is where I have to be careful, you know, and, and do it in love, do it in love, do it in love. <laughs> but we're going to preach the word of God because that is the truth. And people are searching and desperate for truth. And here, but here's what we need to be careful of, myself included, that when we open the word of God, when we take this in the mornings, when we do it on Sundays and we open it, we don't have the mindset. This is wrong thinking. Oh, that is so good for that person over there. They need to hear this, and they need to be corrected by this. Thank you, Jesus, for this revelation that I can share with them. Because I got it all together. So I'm reading this for someone else. Because they're not holy enough to read this. I'm going to read on their behalf. That's wrong thing. But listen, I mean, how many of us have done that? I have. I'm reading, I'm going, oh, that is so good. I'm going to bring correction. Oh, they need to hear this. I do. Thank you, Lord, you fight my battles. <clears throat> I offer this to you. Correct thinking, correct thinking is God. Read me. Read me. Show me where I'm wrong. Show me how I can love these people. Search my heart. Because I got a big old plank in my eye. And I got to get that thing out. So search me, God, as I, as I read this. Correct me so I can draw closer to you. And you know what happens? Rather than that first approach, 
as, as we allow the word to read us, we don't, we're not vindictive toward those people. We start to love them more. And then we can invite them in to this family that we have here where God is quite at home, where they can be themselves and where God can now read them and do it a lot better than we do it ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed. I'm gonna say that again. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. What can I do some good works? What can I do? And that's, you know, I'll be honest, that's, that's the world's mentality. Let me just do good, but there's no foundation in it. That's, that's fleeting. That's a feeling. But who we become and who we are comes out of the word. And then it allows us, prepares us to do really good works, like biblical good works, such good works that we don't even, we don't even know what they are yet, that they're still, they're still being cultivated as God prepares us. But the good works are coming real, eternal, good works. So will we allow scripture to read us? Yes, we will. And lastly, this is what it's all about. The, one that, the last one that I'm gonna share with you today, at least. This is why, this is why the word is so important. This is everything. And it's John 1, verse one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That is why we read the word, because the word is God. It is Jesus. It was Jesus walking around in the flesh, that tangible God. That is the word. In the beginning was the word. How? Because the word is forever. And it is forever now. And the word is seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. The word is Jesus. The word is Jesus. Can we just appreciate that for a second, church? And that is why we explore the word. It's not out of religious obligation. It's not to make ourselves feel like a better Christian because we had our 10-minute quiet time on a Thursday of all days. It's because the word is Jesus. It's Jesus. And the word is love. That's why I gotta be careful to remember this is, this is the word. This is Jesus. This is not me. This is not my agenda. This is not my soapbox. This is Jesus. And Jesus came and he died for all of us. And he gave us this word so that we could continue on in the story and be used as a brick to be built on top of the disciples and the apostles, to have a home for all people where God is quite at home. And if we can do that, if we can commit to live and to preach and to teach Jesus, if we can commit to that unwavering, uncompromising, perfect word of God, then he will build a home here that will be for all people and they will meet Jesus. Are y'all with me? Are you with me? Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna have the band come up and we're gonna take communion this morning because the word tells us to remember Jesus' sacrifice. But I wanna go back to this really quickly that kind of sums it all up. And as Jesus found in the word, being spoke by him, everything that we're all about, and it's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but to save the world through him. What does the word say? It says that Jesus loves us more than we could ever imagine. It says, yes, when you come in, you might be a mess, but that's okay because I will fix you. I will take your worry. I will take your stress. I will take your fear and I will nail it to the cross along with me so that you can live free, so that you can be the person that I have created you to be. And you don't have to put up walls. You don't have to put up a facade and try and act like somebody that you're not. You can be yourself and you can be a part of this family and you can live in this home that I'm building where I am with you and you can be healed and you can get to know me in a way that you never thought possible. That is our message, that we are saved by grace, by the sacrifice of Jesus. It's not about works. It's not about trying to earn it. None of us deserve it. We were all given it. And that's why we don't have as much right to it as anybody else. Because we didn't, we didn't do anything to earn it either. That's the word of God. That he loved, that he, he looked down on this world and saw all the events that were going to transpire, including the events of this past week, and said, I'm going to send my son to save this world because it's desperate for a savior. He didn't say, that world's a mess. I'm going to figure it out on their own. They've forgotten me. They've neglected me. No, he said, I'm going to, I, I love those people and I'm going to send Jesus for every single one of them. Irrespective of how you got here, this is your home now. And that's what we're believing. That's what we're striving for. And it is all built on the word of God. Nothing that we are going to do. Listen, we, we want to be excellent in everything that we do here at Beaches Chapel, from the lighting to the mix to all of it, the temperature in the room. But we will never put any of those things ahead of the importance of the word being preached in worship and in word. That is what it's about. That is what it is. All those other things will fall into place and they have their, they have their place in it. But, but we're never, we're never gonna put our hope in those things. We're putting our hope in the word of God because that is the truth. That is what lasts forever. And that is how this home is going to be built brick by brick, each one of us. Let's take communion this morning. Father, we love you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you don't forget us. Lord, that you don't grow impatient with us or grow frustrated with us, Lord. You saw this world and the mess that we've made it. And you didn't turn a blind eye to it, God. You said, I'm going to send my son to fix and to save this world. And Lord, you've entrusted us with that message. That message that says, I love you and I will be the sacrifice for you so that you can come into this family and it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you've done. The important thing is, is that you're here now and I'm gonna save you and change you for the rest of your life and I'm gonna give you a home. You're no longer a wandering exile. This is your home. Thank you for that, Lord, that you've given us a home. And then you've given us each other to be a family.
God, we thank you for that sacrifice that you made to make all of this possible. We thank you, Jesus, for your body that was broken, beaten and bruised, nailed to the cross, more pain than we could ever fathom, and you endured. You stayed there, Lord, so that we could have a home and so that we could be part of an eternal family. God, we're so grateful. We don't, we don't even know, Lord, really, what kind of miracle that was. We say thank you, Lord. And so we take this bread in remembrance of your body that was broken. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed, that when we do miss the mark, and we miss the mark a lot, God, that we can come to you and we can say, Father, forgive me. And you pour out your blood on us, Lord, and you make us new every single day. You forgive us of our sins and you wash us clean and you allow us to grow in you. You don't hang those mess ups and those mistakes over our head. You say, my blood was shed so that I can make you new and clean today. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus, that we can always approach you. Lord, the veil was torn, God. There is a way to you now, Lord, where we can fall on our knees and say, forgive me, God. And you pick us up and you embrace us and you say you're forgiven. And you make us that new creation, clean every day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God, let us never take that for granted. Your blood that was shed for us. Father, right now we take this cup in remembrance of your blood that was shed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We can stand and we're going to close in worship. I want to close with this thought, though. You know, y'all can stand. Beaches Chapel has been around for a long time, over 40 years. And in that amount of time, we've seen a lot of highs and there's been a lot of lows. There's things, well, well, there's things that God could have shut the doors on this place multiple times over and again. But he didn't. He didn't. By his mercy and his grace, he allowed Beaches Chapel to stay open. And the only reason that I can fathom for that truth is that God ain't done yet. He's not done with this place yet. There are still miracles to be done here. There are still lives to be saved here. There are still songs to be sung and truths to be preached. He's not done because the doors are still open. They're still open and we have a community right behind us to this side and that side and this side that need to be reached and beyond. Look, we're looking far beyond just Neptune Beach. We have a greater reach than that, but we're gonna start there. He's not done and he's not done with you. He's not done with you. There's no such word as retirement in the Bible, y'all. I hate to break it to you. There is work to be done bricks to be laid all right and we're going forward and we're going to do it with the word of god as our foundation a word of god that lasts forever where we don't have to we don't have to do anything except lean on the truth of it and obey god's teaching 
And so this morning, we're going to close out with that, with that song, Great Are You, Lord. That is our anthem. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. That is our anthem. That is our banner. That is our cry. Lord, this is your home. This is your house where you are in it. Great are you, Lord. Thank you for letting us be the bricks. Thank you for letting us have a place in it. Great are you, Lord. Let's worship this morning.